You know, Kelly, Mondays are rough for me. And it's funny that it's it's not so much about the line of work or the volume of work. It's work in general in contrast to weekends like we had. It is so hard to get up and not be doing what we were doing over the weekend. Although if we maintain that lifestyle, we wouldn't last very long, would we? Definitely not maintainable. No, no. We packed a lot into two days. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and today is Monday. It's the 2nd of May. I can't believe we're in May. And I sound so old every time I say that, but it, I, it's true. I can't believe we're in May already. Here we are. Here we are. It's episode 487. Would you like to read the gift of the day, please, Kelly and Callahan? <laughs> Sometimes the best way to lead is to be idle but remain supportive. That seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? Not to me. No? Well, yeah, definitely not to you. <laughs> You're the one that hatched this by way of a great story we're going to share with our audience today. It's something that I hadn't contemplated because as a leader, I am just so kinetic and engaged and excited and want to be involved at every level. I don't think sometimes that people would grow or actually do better if I just stood on the periphery sometimes and just got out of the way and maintained my level of support, but did it allowing them to just do their thing. And the, the common phrase is to stay out of the lane, right? Mm. So, of course, I'm referring to this past weekend, a kamikaze-style kayak trip that we took <laughs> that we really didn't have much of a clue was going to be a lot more challenging than we would have thought. So, do you want to you describe in your own words, from the time that we took the kayak off the roof, what your impression of our trip was like? Well, I had an early warning that maybe things um, were not going to be typical. When you asked me as we were crossing the bridge, you said, oh, you should see lots of kayaks over here to the right. And yep. there were zero kayaks yeah. to the right. <laughs> but it was a sunny day. It was, you know, breezy, but yeah. sunny and clear. And there were there were people out. So I wasn't worried. I, I trusted you and um, just figured we'd have another great adventure. Well, we certainly had that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the tide was in and we launched and it was terra firma, which was nice, at least on that part of the shore. Got in. Daisy was with us. She was on board. And as we started to paddle out to our destination through the slough out in Moss Landing, I made a comment. I didn't have to paddle. Mm -hmm. We were just zipping along and it wasn't, it wasn't a current. It wasn't tidal. It was wind. We were getting pushed out. So I would raise up my paddle like a sail mm -hmm. and we were catching the wind and I did not have to paddle very much to get out, but yeah. made, made the ill-fated comment, the prediction. I said, you know, coming back in, this might be a challenge. It was a challenge, wasn't it, David? <laughs> yeah, we were definitely um, battered and buffeted by the time we made it back but we did make it back we did and that's that's where i want to dig in because and, and there's kind of a pun intended there we, <laughs> we we had a bottle of champagne on board of course i mean that's just what you do right and we went into some calmer 
smaller slews. And again, you completely trusted me. We got to see and interact with wildlife that nobody else would have dared to go into that area. And as a result, the, the gift was, the reward was, because the wildlife was not accustomed to seeing humans, they trusted us. And they were like really just arm's length away, that one otter. Yeah. And they usually dive underwater when they see you and you come close. That thing was just right there. Yeah, totally unfazed. We saw seals. Yep. We saw otters. We saw one mama otter with her yes. baby on her chest, yep. which is something I've never seen before, which is as cute as it looks in every picture. Oh, God. And to hear the little baby, the little, it almost sounded like a bird. It was yeah. like a really high-pitched little squeal. And then I would assume Daddy was the one cracking the scallop or whatever he'd found. That was amazing, too. I couldn't tell what he was doing. He was on his back, and he was doing something to himself that looked a little bit obscene. Yep. <laughs> but he pointed out that he had some uh, yeah. shellfish. Yeah, he had a shellfish, and he had a rock on his chest. Yeah, so he was going at it. Yeah, he was Until it broke open. really going at it. It, yeah. it did look like he was having a, a, a good time over there. Afternoon delight. Yeah. For sure. And then once the shell was open, he turned his body and the rock fell back into the water. It's mm-hmm. just ingenious the way these guys do their thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and let me point out, because all of the other kayakers had retreated and decided not to go out, mm-hmm. and we later found them on a sandbar, which was completely protected, they missed all this. They did. The only other um, people that I noticed out there before our uh, <laughs> before the wind turned was um, those people who were in training. Remember, we thought someone had tipped over, and there was someone in the water. Right, I was um, paddling out to, to help them. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of an omen. It, it mean, was it an omen. Been. It could have. Oh been. my God! It. I think they were probably because the the elements were exactly the reason why they were training. That could be. Yeah, that makes sense actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we we'd visit in this little this little inlet, and of course after a, a bottle of champagne, I had to to pee. And so, why don't you tell a story about what happened when I tried to get out? <laughs> well, we were in this waterway. I guess you call it a slough. Yeah. How do you spell that? S L O U G H. Oh. Yeah. All right. I never would have um, guessed that. Yeah. Uh, how wide across was it? Like 10 feet? Maybe 15? 10 feet. Yeah. yeah. So pretty narrow. And on either side, there were, it was about two feet tall of, you know, some muck and some weeds. Yeah. And then I don't know what was on top, ice plant or something. Yeah, ice plant. And, um, you thought you might just, you know, hop on over and, mm-hmm. and do your business. Yep. So we dug the oars into the shore. Yeah. But it was fluid. It, it was. was mucky yeah. and sticky and um it didn't look like something you could stand in. And it turns out it wasn't something you could stand in. Mm-hmm. I put my foot out and put a little bit of weight and it was the quintessential quicksand that you would see on a movie that you would think is non-existent, but it's absolutely exists and that's what it was. Had I put both legs in, I would have been effed completely. Yeah, and then you told me later how it would have felt with your feet in the muck. Yes. Not just soft and mucky, <laughs> no, right? No, there's things down there. That that freaked me out. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't know that before. These are some of the things that I choose not to tell you until afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like the couple from England that had, right where we were, 
had a whale land on their kayak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Those are things that are better left until later. Right. Right? Because then you'd be like, uh-oh, and freaking out about it. But I wasn't freaked out. Not in the slightest. So we got stuck. That was another thing. And I didn't want to alarm you. But I thought we could easily be stuck there to the degree that we're going to have to wait until the tide fully comes in, which would have been 11 p.m. That would have been catastrophic. That, yeah. Yeah. No. So we calmly worked our way out of it. We had bottomed out and it was in that that muck. So mm-hmm. it was it was pretty rough. And I also was aware of the fact we only had two paddles. If we had broken a paddle, that would have been bad because we were mm-hmm. using the paddles to push back. But that's not where the story really is. The story is where we got out to the main slough, which was a couple, probably a quarter of a mile across. Mm-hmm. And when we got back out to the main slough, the weather had gotten even worse. The wind was so relentless and punishing and there were actual white caps. It was rougher than anything I'd seen in the ocean thus far. And the water was coming up and into the boat, over the bow, into your face. Yeah. And the paddling, I was paddling as hard as I possibly could. And at times we were literally going backwards. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't totally aware of that. I tried to help you as best I could, but my hands are not always very strong. And um, as you said, water was like splashing up into the boat. Um, my clothes were drenched. I took off my hat because it was going to for sure blow away if I didn't take it, take it off. Yeah. And um, I knew you were working hard behind me. <laughs> and Daisy, just there in the middle of us, like she looked like she was asleep the whole time. Yeah, she was. So I... I apologize for not being able to help you more, but I, I couldn't. So I just I just sat there and yeah, I just sat there. You just sat there. And I'll tell you what, that's where I'm coming away with this wisdom was in the past, previous passengers, there's a spectrum. Okay. So you're at the mean. To the left of the mean is the panickers. These are the people that are going to try to paddle. They're going to be off rhythm. They're going to dip their paddle in. They're going to turn the boat. We're going to capsize. Or they're going to start freaking out and making it stressful by screaming and and making clandestine types of predictable cataclysmic predictions. And I didn't, I didn't get that from you. You just remained calm. You trusted me. The other end of the mean is you've got someone who's who's going to be all in and paddling as hard as possible. So the fact that you just stayed right in the middle and did nothing and allowed all of this to just take place, trusted me and were there for moral support uh, on the periphery, like I said, that's what got us back. I didn't have to worry. There was a lot to worry about. Don't get me wrong. We were getting sucked out into the middle of the channel and pushed backwards. Mm -hmm. I wanted to come closer to shore, but it was not allowing us. And then you had this kind of disillusionment of, oh, if we're close to the shore, then we're going to be safe. Actually, the Mm -hmm. shore was more dangerous than the middle of the channel because if we had capsized, we'd be stuck in the mud and sinking in the mud. And I had no idea about that until later that night when you told me how dangerous it actually would have been. Yeah. Because I felt safe, not only because you were behind me, Mm. but 
because I could see land and I knew there were, there were cars going by on the bridge ahead. Like there was enough daylight left. It was probably yeah. four or five in the afternoon. Right. So now that the days are longer, we, we still had daylight and I could see where we were going. It wasn't that far. It was just that the wind was pushing us back, as you said. But I did assume that I could, if we tipped over, I would just swim to the shore and get up and, and walk away. Not so much. No. Apparently. No. <laughs> and these are the things that I won't want to tell you. In the midst of everything that's going on, because it's only going to add more fear and panic, potentially. But why don't you tell the audience what you saw when you looked back at me when I was rowing fe- oh. feverishly? <laughs> well, okay. It's true that I wasn't complaining or being um, dramatic, but you you were gleeful. <laughs> you, you had a smile on your face that was um, not only genuine, but uh, a little bit crazy. Yeah. Like you, you were in your element quite literally and, um, loving it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved the danger. I loved the challenge. The challenge was my favorite part and, and we were being blinded and you had made mention of this and I thought I was the only one that noticed it. The light that was coming off the water was blinding us and everything looked silver. Right. And then you, you had the, the huge swells that were landing on the bow of the boat and they were moving the boat and they were splashing us and we were soaking wet and I mm-hmm. lost my iPhone and, and there was, mm-hmm. you know, just a lot going on at once. And we were taking on so much water. You saw how much came out of the boat, yeah. which that also made sense as to why I couldn't move the boat. Cause it was it's really heavy. heavy, but I was, I was in my element. I dare I say it had, we had normal weather and a normal day. It would have still been memorable, but this was far more memorable and a memory that nobody else is going to have because they all chickened out and stayed on the sandbar. Now, I'm not saying that I'm going to go do that again anytime soon. I, I One and done on that. Next time a nice leisurely stroll without a lot of effort might be the order of the day. But this was a remarkable memory and it spoke a lot to leadership and I've made mention of this in previous podcasts, I can judge how well I'm going to be compatible as a team with an individual just by having them be in my kayak. And so mm-hmm. you didn't know that you were being tested, nope. but you passed with flying colors, probably the best partner I could have had out there. Wow. It's no joke. I can tell you horror stories of people that I'll never have in my kayak again. Well, thank you for saying that, um, especially because I felt really like I wasn't contributing anything. Um, and then we also talked later that night about Daisy, yeah. how she was just in the middle, really just resting her head on, on you. Yeah. And her eyes were half closed, you know, part of the time she was also super chillaxed. Yeah. And, uh, also probably because she trusts you and feels safe with you. Like I do. I, I agree. And you know, here's, here's the key to that because the dog can't express herself. She's only a reflection of our vibe, our energy. Mm. I was excited. I was confident. I was having a good time. You were super chill. You were calm. You've seen the dogs that are like anxious and Mm -hmm. barky and trying to jump out of the boat. It's a reflection of their owners. It's a reflection of the people around them. So while I really appreciated Daisy not being a contributor to one of the dangerous variables out there, it is also not too surprising because we had it completely under control and we knew what we were doing. We we're getting a great workout. 
for some odd reason, I felt like I needed to take my shirt off. <laughs> and so I was getting sun as well. And it was just a great experience. I think others might have a completely different perspective on that had they been out there. And there, there, there was that couple that bailed out. Yeah. And started walking across the marsh. And I'm like, oh, no. Somehow. How's yeah. that going to end? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they were barefoot. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was just a, it was a great adventure and a, and a true, it's a true display of leadership. Two different leadership styles happening simultaneously that are completely compatible mm-hmm. and viable. Mm-hmm. And things that, you know, you should ponder as a leader. You don't always have to be the guy paddling. Maybe don't be the guy paddling. Be the gal up front who's allowing people to take over and do their thing and not get in the way. So I, my question before we go into the homework, my question is, are you the type of person that is autocratically micromanaging whoever it is that you lead? Or are you leaving room for people to grow on their own and become autonomous and empowering them by giving them a chance to step up and be the lead dog and stand behind and support from a distance. If you're the autocrat, we'd love to help you fix that. Kelly, there goes the foghorn going off, putting you on the spot. Oh, by the way, everybody, this is what, your fifth or sixth podcast? We didn't script a damn thing of this. No. This is all it's conversation. All fresh. Yeah, yeah. To, to have you step up and be able to do this on your fifth or sixth podcast is remarkable. So, can you ad lib the homework by any chance? What do you think? Oh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, that takes me out of my comfort zone, which I think would <laughs> lead Beautiful. into lead into a good homework assignment. Um, it meant a lot to me what you said about um, me being able to somehow contribute to the success of our little adventure, <laughs> uh, and what you said about you. Now thinking about putting yourself in the position that I was in, more of the supportive, quieter uh, presence. Mm. Um, Whereas for me, uh, going out of my comfort zone would be doing something more like you did. So I think our readers are are up for that challenge of stepping outside of their their leadership comfort zone to experience um, other types of leadership and, and the value that each kind contributes to the success of a team. I love that. That's it, it's it's just screaming growth. That's how you expand everything in leadership is to get out of your comfort zone. If you're the driver, be the passenger. If you're the passenger, step up and take the wheel. I love this homework. And I, I think that that's one of the struggles that most leaders have is they are so committed and ingrained in their one way of leadership. They don't see that there are multiple ways to do it. And being idle doesn't come to mind as a leadership style to most. To most. To most. Mm -hmm. Good job, Kellyanne Callahan. Thank you, David. So what should we do next? Oh! (laughs) (laughs) I almost forgot. And since it was a very windy day, I shouldn't have forgotten. Get out there and fly that kite. Yako Key.